On today's show, guest friend of the pod, Nick DePaula from ESPN. We got to talk about shoes. We got to talk about Nico. Got all kinds of things to talk about, Isaac. Luka Doncic, Jordan Brand. There's one guy you got to talk to about all this stuff, and it's Nick DePaula. And we'll talk about it today's Locked On Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked On Mavericks Let's get some shit. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network. And joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, the shoe savant. The one more thinking, what you got for me, Isaac Harris? Well, you guys know I love shoes. And there's one of my favorite Twitter follows is Nick DePala, ESPN, boardroom, feature writer at ESPN. He covers all the contract details with shoes and players. He hosts a show on boardroom, the sneaker game, which the Steph Curry interview is absolutely amazing. Nick, how, thanks for joining the show first off, but how's life been? What you been up to in Portland? Portland's been all right. We had uh, the hottest day ever last weekend, so that was interesting. Um, but, you know, obviously it's the NBA Finals right now, and, and anytime it's playoff window, it's it's an awesome time if you're into basketball. So it's been cool just kind of seeing what everybody's been wearing lately and then looking ahead to the Olympics. You Are you pretty much like beat writer for P.J. Tucker? Is that uh, Obviously. <laughs> obviously P.J.'s always wearing cool stuff, so that's, that's right up my wheelhouse. I always joke when I – when I wrote the story about the color rules being lifted, I think three seasons ago now, the first thing I thought of was, damn, I got to pay attention to what PJ wears on a Tuesday in Minnesota now. You know, so that was, it went from marquee games and certain moments like Christmas to being a nightly thing, which which is definitely fun. That's cool. Uh, obviously, we'll get into Luka Doncic. We'll talk about Nico Harrison. You wrote a good article on Boardroom about that. I thought that that was pretty interesting, just entailing everything about him. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And stay tuned for our integrated Ultra moment of the week. You will not believe it. Coming up later in the episode. Uh, first, Nick, let's talk about Luka. Uh, where are we at with a Luca signature shoe? I mean, for some of us maybe that don't understand this shoe game and, and that some people have, you know, PEs, we have signature shoes. Like, what what kind of a big deal is a signature shoe for Luca? And then how far off are we to get something like that? Yeah, so the signature shoes, you know, there's 450 guys in the league and, and 20 players this season have their own signature shoes. So it's obviously a pretty small crowd. And that's actually relatively a lot you know, compared to most years. Usually it's around the 15 window. Um, I think the big thing to keep in mind is Jordan brand of all brands has been pretty selective in who gets a signature shoe over the years. I mean, it's been, you know, Mello, uh, D Wade, CP, and now Zion. Um, and then Russell Westbrook. Like, I think it's only been a handful of guys. And so, um, you know, Zion signed about six months before Luca, obviously the hype that Zion had coming into the draft, every brand was offering him a signature shoe as part of that. So that was something they committed to. Um, and the process is about a year and a half usually. So for a Luca to get a signature shoe, if he were, you know, it's be probably still at least a year away just because the timeline. Um, so I think, you know, he kind of that first year made his mark and, and everybody, you know, knew he was going to be an impactful player. And then that very next fall, uh, his shoe deal was actually up after his rookie year and he switched over to Jordan brand. Um, but if you look at the timeline, it's, you know, maybe we're still at least a year away, I would say, um, if they do decide to get him a shoe. 
Why does it take a year and a half? Like, is it just designing the shoe and like actually putting it in production or is there stuff behind the scenes even before that? that yeah, it almost goes in like three stages. So maybe like six to eight months to get the design actually down of what the look is going to be. Um, obviously, the athletes heavily involved gives their feedback along the way. Um, sometimes guys, you know, have one idea and then the designer comes back and they knock it out. Sometimes samples come back and everybody hates it and then they start over again. So that that process can be anywhere from like six to eight months to just get the design down. Um, and then you get the samples. You got to test them out make sure they actually play well. And sometimes you got to make changes off of that. And then there's kind of like this six month window at the end, which is um, for production, but also for like all the marketing campaigns to get finalized. Um, So I always am impatient and it feels like it takes forever. Sometimes like the great example is like Giannis re-signed with Nike in 2017 and it felt like forever before his first shoe came out, which was summer of 2019. Um, And Zion's now been in the league and his shoe just came out last month. So you know, it, it does drag out a, a bit. I wish there was a faster way, but um, that's usually the timeline everybody operates with. For Luca with Jordan brand, you know, they kind of reshaped their roster there with the old guys kind of transitioning out. They bring on Tatum and Zion and Rui and Luca. And what I, I know, I, I think it was five year deal. Do you know the exact details on Luca's Jordan brand deal? Like amount, years? I don't know the exact amount. And that okay. actually gets to uh, kind of the, the special topic of the day. Uh, which is Nico. And, you know, I think the funny thing when you look at like, I had a lot of people on Twitter asking me like, what does this guy know about roster building? And I'm like, actually, he just refreshed the Jordan roster in a pretty impressive way. You know, obviously Chris Paul and Mello are Hall of Fame players and and all time greats, but their signature lines have, have kind of, um, you know, been phasing out at this point. And so they, they revamped the whole roster. And that was a lot of Nico spearheading that um, and trying to identify the players to sign and bring on. So, um, Luca had an interesting situation because he was um, on a Nike deal in Spain when he was with Real Madrid that had one more year left on it. And so that actually was up after his rookie year, uh, which worked out great because he was rookie of the year, obviously. Um, so by all accounts, it's a five-year deal. I think that's one thing, though, that, that Mark Cuban's going to value a lot is uh, Nico is very tight-lipped, not a lot of leaks. Um, so things like numbers in particular, you know, that doesn't really get out from a Jordan brand perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they value confidentiality a lot and the, and the relationships they have. So, um, some brands are pretty loose, you know, and some agents as well, but, um, Luca's exact number is, is not really known. And, and obviously I'm assuming, assuming he's in that top three, top five range, uh, of the Jordan roster though. Well, now yeah. I know Isaac's first question and Nico and the presser next week. <laughs> Can you tell me the exact number? Good luck getting that one. I'll write it down on a sheet of paper. You tell me higher or lower. <laughs> I'll tell Nico, I'm like, Nick DePaul said that for me to... <laughs> no, so, okay, Luca used to be with Nike, with Jordan now, same kind of umbrella company, all that. What's the, like, what's the likelihood that we see Luca back with Nike, like, down the road? Is that, is there a chance with that? And kind of lumped together with that is, like, what's the next phase for Nike with LeBron and KD kind of getting, you know, in mid-30s, whatever. They still, you know, they have kind of a younger crew there too with PG and Kyrie, but yeah. Is there, is there likelihood for, for Luca to be back with Nike down the road? That's such a good question. So when Luca's deal was up, you know, Adidas was interested, of course, Puma was really interested as well. Um, but he, my assumption is he took less money actually to go to Jordan brand because he really liked the brand. Um, and also sometimes Nike will got, will keep guys what they call in the family. Um, so in that Nike Inc family, whether that's going to Converse or going to Jordan brand, um, I could see a scenario where 
you know, if we're looking three years out, you know, from when he signed his deal with Jordan Brand, three or four years from now, I mean, Luca could be the the highest All Star vote getter. He could be an MVP candidate every single year. And you're going to have, you know, LeBron, KD, Paul George, you know, those three lines potentially not, you know, on court, uh, depending on, you know, where, where guys are at in their in their careers. And and Kyrie as well is is getting into his early 30s at that point. Um, so I could see a window where they look at it and they say, you know what, he'd be great to have back on Nike. I think part of it, though, too, is that, um, you know, through Jason Tatum and Zion and Luca, like they look at those three guys as kind of establishing this new window for Jordan brand. Um, so much of the roster always was tied to guys that, you know, were shooting guards and played like Mike or wanted to be like Mike or, you know, a guy like Melo who wasn't exactly the same style of play but but was a big star in his own right. And I think now they're trying to advance past that altogether and just be looked at as a brand. Um, so I think they're they're happy with him at Jordan Brand and it could be something where I think it makes a lot of sense to give him a shoe to headline, um, if not a signature shoe, and, and go from there. Awesome. Well, we want to talk about Nico. Let's do it. Yeah, I think I think for him, and this was something that was so interesting hearing the feedback on because um, obviously to the general basketball world, he might be totally unknown and and not a name anybody recognizes. But um, I would say in the basketball community, he's one of the most respected and known names there is. Um, so it was really interesting kind of seeing both sides of that, uh, just because of the relationships he has, all the players he knows, agents as well. Um, and there was, I, I put together this tweet that was kind of like specked out, but. Oh, we, we listed it on our pod. We, we yeah, retweeted sure. it and everything I mean, I think, talked all through it. I think if you really start to think about it, you know, there's, there's so many dynamics that go into being a quote unquote ba- great basketball mind. Um, and there's a lot of things that, that he just from his background as a player, um, just from his closeness to the game. And then also his role at Nike for so long, there's so many boxes that he checks that he is going to be really strong at. Um, so to me, it actually made a lot of sense. I know there's been, you know, with Leon Rose and Rob Palenka, this trend of like former agents becoming front office guys. And, you know, Rob's had success. And I think Leon's going to have success as well in already, you know, making the playoffs with the Knicks there. But um, Nico is is a, is even more outside of the box potentially for Mark to look at. But uh, I think there's a lot of reasons why it makes total sense and why he's going to be successful. That's awesome. Real quick, one of our sponsors, a longtime sponsor for us is Michelob Ultra. And you recently did an interview with the legend himself, Tinker Hatfield, who designed the Michelob Ultra champagne bottle for the finals, which was a crazy interview. I mean, Tinker in the shoe world, I'm just like fascinated by Tinker Hatfield, but it was an incredible interview. I think Nick actually is going to put up a picture of it if possible on the screen. Look at that. There you go. That's incredible. But Michelob Ultra, we, we always have to hand out a moment for them each week and this week is this interview so you have to go if you listen to this pod watching on youtube you got to go listen uh to nick talk to tinker hatfield about the champagne bottle about the design of it and everything it was a really really cool interview so yeah i nerded out listening to that i love that yeah we actually i got the last year's finals michelob bottle um so really so i'm excited to add it to the collection if i get the new one so we'll see that's awesome that's so cool Okay, so can you can you tell us like what was so spe- like Nico's job at Nike? Can you just put it in like regular terms of like what did he actually do? What sure. what was the regional rep? Explain like what his job was at Nike. Yeah, so when he started out, which I believe was in the spring of 02, 
Um, he was what's called a regional rep, which, you know, I've always joked, sounds like the coolest job ever. Basically got to go to all the games and talk to the players and make sure that they're cool with the shoes they're wearing, make sure they're kind of familiar with all the campaigns going on, um, that they know the technologies and, and just, you know, other stuff when, whether it's doing, you know, at, at that time, maybe you're doing some photo shoots for East Bay magazine or finish line or, you know, slam magazine, stuff like that. So, um, obviously more of a print media era at that time, but regional rep, there's pretty much, I think anywhere from 40 to 50, any given season. Um, there's guys that man the West region. There's guys that do the Midwest, like, like Nico was at the time with the Spurs specifically. Uh, he worked with Tim Duncan, Manu and, um, Tony Parker. And then the following year was when Tim Duncan actually signed with Adidas and left. And then that's when Nike signed Kobe. Um, and so then he went from managing the Spurs guys to then dealing directly with Kobe and basically worked with Kobe throughout his entire rest of his career. Um, so I think the, the big misconception is that like Nico's like a, a shoe marketing guy or something like that. And that's not at all what his role shoe was. salesman. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, Nate Jones had a funny tweet about like, they're not hiring some shoe salesman, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> um, it's a far like, you know, more, I would say player identification role, um, like kind of strategist role. And also, you know, really getting into the, the details of, of landing these contracts and negotiating contracts, which when it comes to free agency is going to be huge for you guys. So, you know, I think that's the thing. It's, it's like, you know, people were asking, what is the shoe guy going to know about the salary cap? I'm like, well, he's been handling crazy budgets for years, managing an entire, this we're talking about a multi-billion dollar, you know, basketball category at Nike across both Nike and Jordan brand. Um, so it's no small task. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is that uh, this is a guy that's very well versed in the business world. Um, but on top of that, you know, he's very strong in, in terms of negotiations. Um, I'm sure as you guys know, you know, Nike for the most part pays less than most other brands and they're still able to sign the players they want. Um, so a lot of that comes with the loyalty to the brand, but also uh, the relationships that guys like Nico are able to build with these players. Um, and so there's a great loyalty there. And I think for him, you know, obviously you're looking at the brand signings more from a straight marketing standpoint. Obviously you want the player to play, play well on the floor as well. Um, and so now his, his, his eye and his perspective probably changes to more of the basketball fit that him and Jason Kidd will decide fits best with the roster. But uh, I think for a lot of, for a lot of the similarities of identifying guys, signing contracts, landing guys and building out a roster, uh, I think there's a lot of things that are going to translate directly over. And I think in the article, I kind of joked like, he was basically the GM of Nike basketball. If you want to look at it from that perspective, you know, for the last 10 years. So I think that's, that's probably the best way to look at it. Salary cap's a little different over at Nike than it is. In the NBA. You're surprised. Like they got limits on stuff. You know, there's, there's all these different interesting clauses on stuff. Um, I always joke, there's actually restricted free agency in, in sneaker deals too. Um, so in the NBA, if you sign an offer sheet, you get, you know, three days to match for, for a team. And in, uh, in the sneaker world, you get 10 business days to match if, uh, so if Luca would have signed with Puma, Nike would have had ten days to match. You know, so would so, he have to match it then, or would it just be like another offer? No. So there's great examples where, um, like, well, I actually was going to bring this up, and I think it's an interesting. I don't want to start anything, but it is an interesting dynamic to explore. But um, you know, like a great example was Odell Beckham signed an offer sheet with Adidas, and Nike waited till like four fifty two on the last business day and matched it. You know, wow. so there's like there's there's scenarios like that that come up all the time. Um, probably the most infamous non-match is, uh, you know, Steph Curry when he signed with Under Armour and then Nike decided not to, not to use the match clause and let him go. Um, but then in the case, uh, I think this is, 
something that's interesting just because I was just trying to connect all the dots of obviously, you know, Nico's time at Nike and maybe how that translates. And um, another European guy who had a carryover deal one year left with Nike after his rookie year and then became a shoe free agent was Chris Tapps. And he got a seven-year offer sheet from Adidas and Nike declined to match. Um, so, you know, that was an example where maybe that was a marketing fit thing, but, you know, Nike decided not to match on that, let him go to Adidas. So, um, you know, they do kind of have some, I, I thought that was kind of an interesting connecting of the dots between, yeah. you know, Nico's past role and obviously Chris Tapps too, but, um, you know, for whatever reason, but, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of things in terms of clauses that I don't really doubt his ability to just pick up and run with the salary cap nuances and, and be good from there. And obviously there's assistant GMs and other guys in the, in the office that'll be cap gurus in that sense. I can see the headline now on Moneyball or Smoking Cuban. That's like, not what I'm trying to say. Nico Harrison hates Christoph Porzingis, didn't match his deal. <laughs> Nick DiPaoli is... No, I, just, I, just, I was just thinking of like what were all the Mavs-related elements. And obviously, yeah, right. You know, Jason Kidd was a guy who had a signature shoe at Nike, and, and they have a, a, a connection there. And there's a great photo of Kobe and Nico at the Olympics. I, I think they're watching beach volleyball or something, and Jay Kidd's right there in the picture with them, so... Um, you know, it's it's something where Nico and Jay Kidd have known each other for a long time, and they'll be able to develop that relationship as they go forward, too. Yeah, so, okay. So he looked at Porzingis like, hey, you're not worthy of matching in Nike. And he, okay, I was just making sure that. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. Just, you know, and, 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 and KP was on the Knicks at the time, had a great rookie year, and yeah, and Adidas with the European angle. They, I mean, the offer was incredible. So, you know, they've, they've really valued him and, and are excited about him still, of course, so. Um, I think it was one of those things where you kind of look at the totem pole at Nike and, you know, it's kind of to go back to your earlier question too. It's like, you got 68% of the league wearing Nike. If you match on a guy that you're not going to give a signature shoe and, you know, for a lot of money, it's, it's maybe a tough thing to, to justify potentially, you know? So I think that was part of it. And they had just signed Ben Simmons and re-signing Giannis. There you go. Nice find. Um, So yeah, you know, you got CP in there, LeBron as well. And uh, and Nico, I think I think that's probably the, the the funniest thing about Nico is there's probably like seven photos of him online, really. Like there's not there wasn't a lot. Like I was kind of seeing the same photos over and over again. And he's yeah, right. Yeah. He's always really like you know been one of those guys that just just works hard and is behind the scenes and gets his job done and and he's straight, you know. So I think that's something that um, was kind of funny to see because he's he's not re- he's never really been like a public uh, facing guy and he doesn't do a lot of interviews and. Um, so I'll be I'll be curious to see how that part of the job, you know, how he handles that as well. Yeah, Who's I thought this that guy with a digital camera that just has no idea who any of these people are. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was fascinated by that in your in your piece on boardroom of just how tight lipped he is and how you know he he already. I mean, that's Mark Cuban values that so much and just how he doesn't do a lot of interviews or he hasn't in the past and just all of that. I thought that was fascinating his part. You also mentioned the Steph Curry thing. And you talk about that in the piece you briefly mentioned a little bit ago. Can you clear up the Steph Curry Nike thing? Because as soon as they hired Nico Harrison, there was a batch of Mavs fans who were like, oh, he was the guy who messed up his name and all of that. Can you clear up that story? Yeah. So obviously that was a big story when it came out. Ethan Strauss wrote it at, at ESPN at the time and, and uh, now at The Athletic. But, um, you know, I think that was one of those stories where it's a great what if. You know, if, if Nike would have kept him, he was having ankle issues before that. They weren't necessarily going to give him a signature shoe. So it's hard to say, you know, what would have really happened. Um, 
I interviewed Steph for the boardroom, like you mentioned, and uh, his dad had said the same thing in the story, but he, he, he said the same thing in the interview, which was like, you know, once they mispronounced his name and, you know, KD's name was on the slide, he was just kind of like mentally checked out a little bit. And, and it's, it's more of a respect thing at that point. But um, by all accounts, it was not Nico that, that mispronounced his name. And, and he had a relationship with Stefan at that point as well. So, um, you know, it was I, I haven't gotten the name of who else was in that meeting. And obviously nobody, whoever that person is, doesn't want to, you know, raise their hand, obviously. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's always been the way it was framed to me. Um, is that, you know, Nico was the director of Nike basketball sports marketing at the time and basically like was orchestrating and running the meeting. But there's and all of those meetings. You're going to have, you know, two or three other reps in there, possibly someone's going to marketing team, sometimes even the footwear team going through future plans. So um, apparently there was some room for error in the day and, and they messed it up a little <laughs> bit. But, um, you know, for the for the high majority, I would say they've, they've had some Nike's had some good successes on the shoe side, too. So. Uh, I think it's it's a what if they wish they could have back, but but things have worked out too for both sides. Coming up, I want to get into Nico's relationships with players outside of Nike guys. It seems like a lot of Mavs fans have just kind of said, oh, well, this is a Nike guy, so that's the only players that Nico knows. We'll get into that a little bit. But before we do, we want to talk about rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible to find every single part that you need at a local chain store. You have to go there. They have to have the exact part. They have to go behind the counter, see if they can find it, and then eventually they'll just order it on their computer, and then it'll ship to that store. You have to go pick it up. You might as well just get it at rockauto.com. Ship it right to your house. Save time and money. Why would you want to spend 30 50 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a dealership? For example, if you have a Honda Odyssey out there, if you're driving around, got a Honda Odyssey, Fuel pump, $353 from a chain store. You can get it at rockauto.com for $216. Prices are always reliably low, not just for that part, but for every single one of them. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. They know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, Isaac, we're back with Nick DePaula talking about shoes, Nico, everything. My question is, a lot of Mavs fans have sort of like narrowed their focus to, okay, well, let's just start drawing the lines. We'll put the the yarn on the on the corkboard, right? Like, okay, Mike Conley, like at like Nike Jordan athlete. Well, then like, all right, he's coming to the Mavs for sure. But what about guys outside of Nike? Like, obviously, Damian Lillard and, and Nico are like, have a really good relationship. And like when Damian Lillard hit that shot against OKC, like he's one of the first people that he like goes and sees. How does he have relationships with guys outside that maybe aren't even Nike or Jordan? Yeah, I think that's part of that, that position. I mean, there's, there's guys at Under Armour, guys at Adidas that, that have great relationships, guys all over the league as well. You got to think it's, it's a small, it's a small community first off. Um, So, you know, if a guy, let's say, trying to think, so let's say like Giannis who has a signature shoe, well, that's a bad example because the whole team wears Nike, but, you know, if you have a if you have a team where you got a signature guy, you're going to see that rep all the time. Um, you might go out to dinner with him as a group after the games. You know, there's times where you're just away from the basketball court. You know, whether it's at the hotel in the lobby, um, so you're running into these guys all the time. Um, I think a big piece too is just the FaceTime. So, you know, Nico had these kind of second row seats at the Blazer games literally every game the last I don't know 12 years I've been going to games um, at least. You know, and so he's. He's just always kind of visible at the games and interacting with guys. And, you know, I think it's always just a matter of, you know, building that basketball relationship and not so much thinking like, oh, your shoe deal's coming up in three years. I'm going to try to sign you. Like, you know, it's, it's more about just talking, talking and developing relationships. So 
I wouldn't really put too much stock into like, is he going to sign all the guys that are with Nike currently? Or if there's like a free agent that maybe he had signed at Jordan brand. Uh, I think he's going to obviously look at every deal that comes across as, as its own case by case basis and what the best move for the Mavericks is. One of the best like conspiracy theory, like, like a far out things I've heard people say is, well, why doesn't Nico just go to some of these free agents and say, Hey, I can get you a shoe deal. And you also come to come to sign with the Mavericks, right? Like circumventing the cap, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I, I would say since uh, since obviously all the rumors of LeBron going to the Knicks, which of course never happened, um, you know, it's always funny. Like I think how much people think the brands are actually involved in in deciding the teams. I would say, you know, somebody at the brand always jokes like, "Our biggest thing is, are they going to win or not?" We don't even really care about the market. It's like, can they can they be competitive and win? So that's the priority over the market nowadays. I mean, you've had guys in you know Cleveland, Milwaukee, Oklahoma City be superstars, so. Uh, so that piece of it is is kind of less and less of an importance um, versus just the, the team structure and winning. And um, in terms of circumventing the cap stuff, like, you know, <laughs> you, you can't – it's it's one of those things where, like, you can't just give a guy a crazy market deal or I should say crazy out-of-market deal or something that's, like, way, way out because, you know, then that's going to impact all the other deals you got to do potentially. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of factors and a lot of people you got to deal with, so – um, I've always thought that stuff was was kind of great for fans to to theorize and speculate and and you know have their conspiracies on, but I, I can tell you it never really happened. So um, it's not as fun of an answer, obviously. But um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't really put much into that. Well, as soon as Kawhi comes to the Mavs and then he signs with Nike like a year later, we're going <laughs> to come back to this conversation. <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously Kawhi has an ability to opt out here, so who knows what's going to happen. But hey, um, but he was with Jordan and and then left, you know, left to New Balance. So, um, so he knows Nico, and that's so that's so that's one of those things. Too, <laughs> it's like even though that happened, I wouldn't put any stock into it because you know Nick. Nick I don't think that's going to be a factor either, but. But it's funny because it kind of goes both ways where you've got guys that um, people are speculating. I've, I've seen a lot of names where people are speculating just because they're a Nike or Jordan guy. And then you got guys that, that left Jordan brand that are going to be free agents that would be great fits too. And, and I don't think that will come into play at all. So it kind of goes both ways. So what's the, like, what's the talk around brands and just the shoe world right now of, with Nico making this move? I mean, do is the – is the conversation right now like, hey, man, this is really going to work. Like, this is an awesome move for the Mavericks. This is awesome move for like for the league. Are they looking at it saying, man, he has so many relationships and this is your chance to like really get Mavs fans excited right here. It's saying, yeah, he has all these relationships that we really could see him land like a bigger name or a bigger free agent sometime in the next you know few years because of all these relationships. Yeah, I think I would say everybody in the basketball community was was super excited for his opportunity. First of all, just from man, just like man to man standpoint, um, you know, he's been at Nike for a long time, and I think that's the thing that maybe fans didn't know too. It's like there's at least three teams that pursued him in the last couple of years as well. Um, so it's not like this just came out of thin air. Um, people have been trying to hire him in the front office um, because of how respected and, and knowledgeable he is about the game. So um, it wasn't something that just happened, you know, out of out of nowhere overnight. So that was kind of the first piece. I think everybody was excited for him. Um, going back to another Nate Jones tweet, he had a great tweet in terms of, I don't know if it's going to work and be hugely successful, but I think it will because of all these reasons of, of his personality and work ethic. And so I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you got to wait and see. But when you look at what the Mavs have built in terms of um, having a foundational piece in Luka, having a way that they play, I'm, I'm, you know, hopefully they could re-sign Tim Hardaway, who I really like. 
that I feel like was a great, you know, people thought of him as a throw-in with the Porzingis trade, and he's a great role player to me and a great shooter as well. So, um, and then you look ahead to the cap space they have, and he's got a lot of things at his disposal, of course, with Mark's resources as well, um, to, to be really well supported to, to have success. You know, I think it's it's not like he's going to a team that doesn't, you know, have any of their picks for a long time and is in a tough spot and is in the rebuilding mode, um, which is maybe what somebody would have assumed for somebody to roll the dice on an outside-the-box hire like this. It's not he's, like he's going to the Kings, I mean. Man, you know, I love my Kings, and that you know, I always <laughs> come on. <laughs> I always jump in there. I've been you got you got Bagley though. I mean, I've been saying they're two no. around the corner for uh, probably about twelve years now. But um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's one of those things where you know, yeah, you could go to some teams that that don't want to go into luxury tax, or some teams that haven't drafted well, or some teams that don't have a foundational young piece. And um, he's coming into a mix that's going to have kind of all of the above and, and be really supported. So. I would say everybody in the basketball community on the sneaker side is is super excited. Uh, when you look at the Mavs cap space, they got some wiggle room here this summer, and and then Luca's extension will kick in, uh, which it sounds like he'll sign very quickly. Um, so so you should be smooth from there. Yeah, we yeah we all hope. <laughs> so he he was obviously Kobe. You know, he was really close with Kobe. And is there lean into this if you can? Is there? Is there any players around the league that like you would say he's like closer with and that you're like, okay, like these are some guys that maybe not Kobe level that he was that close with Kobe and stuff during Kobe's career. But like, hey, these are a handful of guys that, you know, like, man, he's he's been closer with those guys through Nike, you know, basically for Mavs fans to really just be on the lookout for in the over the next few years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to maybe rattle some names. I don't know their free agency status, so that might not do it. But No, no, that's good. That's good. I think, I think that's the thing. It's like I don't think there's a single player that's not, you know, thinks highly of, of Nico and is not, you know, good friends with him. I think every single player on the, on the Nike basketball roster, whether, you know, I think one piece of it is, you know, the access that Nike has gotten with USA basketball over the years mm. has allowed them to really tap in with all the Olympic guys. So. If you look at, you know, Anthony Davis and the guys who have been on those, you know, Olympic teams that came in, um, you know, there's there's great players all around, you know, Draymond and, um, you know, Katie, just all the guys across the board. But, you know, somebody like P.J. Tucker, of course, who I know well, you know, he's always, you know, I think that's probably more of a function of him bugging Nico for shoes than it is, Nico. <laughs> you know, certain certain exclusives or certain things over the years. But, um, you know, I think that's, you know, guys like that, I think, you know, when you think of who Nike's biggest players are and, and the most passionate about the brand as well. Um, chances are he's got a great relationship with them and, and that's something he's built on. I think throughout his career, he was definitely always known, I should say throughout Kobe's career, he was always known as Kobe's guy. And then when Kobe had retired a little before that, he kind of transitioned into, into this bigger, you know, VP role that's over both Jordan and Nike basketball and, and really kind of operating and manning both of the rosters. And that's how, that's how he got to know kid, right? Is it through Kobe and team USA? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, that that 2008 Beijing team, I would say, you know, that team in particular, a lot of people look at as the impetus for the um, for the Heat team that teamed up. But I would say all the guys got really close on that trip. And, and it was kind of a, you know, a different pride to be on that on that team, of course, at that time. Um, but, I, you know, they knew each other from before that, too, just with JB and, you know, even on the Nets and then um, later in Dallas in the in the 2011 run later on getting that title. But um, but yeah, they've they've been close for a long time. It's funny because that 2008 team, I don't know if you guys remember this timeline, but um, Jake Kidd actually stayed an extra day 
and Nike folks weren't sure why. And the next thing he knew, he had a press conference with Peak, and that was when he had signed with Peak for like three years. Um, so he actually left Nike right after that, signed with Peak, and then went back to Nike for kind of the close of his career when he was, uh, wow. I believe, on the Mavs and then the Knicks as well there. So you know, he kind of wrapped it up there. But but yeah, so they. That was kind of a fun kind of that was kind of a funny timeline for Jay Kidd's kind of sneaker career because like where where's Jason? Why is he on the plane? Like what? Yeah, <laughs> I forget the exact offer, but it was basically like four or five times what Nike was offering at the time. So he was like, wow. you know, whatever, let's do it. But sure. yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I think that was tough because he was always a Nike signature guy. He's one of my favorite players um, as a player, but also with the Zoom Flight ninety five as a shoe is one of my all time favorite shoes. So. Um, now he's he's back with Nike, and there you go with some peaks. He here. went he went with this. This is what he went. With. I guess the money really <laughs> talked. You no, know, that was kind of you know Shaq had signed with uh, Shaq did a partnership deal with Leaning. Damon Jones was actually the first player to sign with Leaning, and then um, Baron Davis had signed with Leaning as well, right around that window. And then I believe Shane Battier was the only other peak athlete um, who had nine signature shoes with Peak, and it's like wildly wow. famous in China for that. Uh, as, as, you know, he was doing summer tours and stuff. And that, I mean, Shane's just a great personality. But yeah, Jay was with uh, Jay was with Peak, I think, for three, if not four years, and um, had a few signature shoes with them, and then went back to Nike for the last chapter. But yeah, you got the full zoom in there. <laughs> but yeah, okay. I, believe, I believe 2011 when he won the title, he was wearing Peaks and not Nikes. So I think you know, it's it's one of those funny things looking back because everybody associates him with Nike, probably. But um, but yeah. that window was with Peak. What's your uh, what's your favorite signature shoe right now in the league? Man, uh, I gotta say, man, the Kyrie line's been really good. They do a nice job with the performance of it, but also obviously the kind of the storytelling and the themes and the colorways. Um, so that I, my top three is probably Kyrie Seven. Uh, the Curry Eight was like a really good bounce back model for Steph, and like I don't know if you guys seen that shoe in person, but the the yeah. flow technology they got is like pretty crazy and and innovative for them you know, coming off of some foams to just now all of a sudden um, what that what that kind of material does. And then um, I like the new, the KD-14s. I don't know if you guys seen those, but the strap is the, I'm going to mispronounce this, but it's the shape of a, I think it's called a scythe, which is oh. like Grim Reaper's tool. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind oh, of he's slim. leaning into it. Is it, so, is it thin? So, <laughs> yeah. So it's, so it's cool because like, you know, that whole Slim Reaper thing back in the day, he didn't really seem to like it. And now he's kind of leaning into it. So I just thought from a, from a graphic and like kind of visual standpoint, that's kind of a cool piece to it. Um, yeah. yeah. You can kind of see that's there was cool. a really funny Photoshop somebody put together where it's like him holding a scythe in like the, um, <laughs> like the background <laughs> the of a photo. But, but yeah, that kind of the way that it kind of curls off on the strap uh, is a kind of cool detail. And then if you guys have ever worn the Nike Presto, one of the all time comfortable shoes, there's some like yeah. that, like midfoot cage on that shoe is kind of inspired by those two. So, those are probably my top three, and uh, you know we'll see we'll see what comes out down the road here. But it's kind of cool because there's, like I was saying, twenty guys with a signature shoe. Trey Young's been wearing his shoe early in the playoffs, and that thing will come out in the fall. Um, you've got a lot of guys like uh, you know Jimmy Butler's going to have a signature shoe in the fall with Lee Ning, and then Zion's just started with with Jordan. So um, I always like when there's new stuff coming out, new models, and a new series starting, and seeing what guys kind of carve out and how it goes from there. If you if you're going to play basketball tomorrow, what's the one shoe? You can only take one shoe to play in. So it's not a signature shoe, but I've been playing in that GT cut. Okay. Which, uh, this is not a Sacramento Kings plug, but De'Aaron Fox is the <laughs> headliner for the NBA. 
And then Sabrina is the headliner for not not an Oregon plug either. Those are my two teams, but Sabrina is the WNBA headliner for that shoe. But that thing is incredible. It's a monster. Like it, I was joking. They should have just called it the Kobe 12. And I think, you know, people would probably look at it a little differently. Um, yeah. Performance wise, man, it's, it's a beast. It's got like full length zoom air and the traction's crazy. The support's really good. So uh, I was really impressed with those. I just started playing pickup ball. I think, two or three times the last week, which was the first time. Or I only played like three times the last 14 months just with everything going on and all the gyms closed out here. So um, I'm pretty washed up and just getting back into playing. Probably, but <laughs> but for, my, for my level of speed, which isn't a lot, that GT cut is, is perfect. So it's been, it's been a hell of a shoot. Well, man, I really appreciate you doing this. Guys, if you are all about the shoe world and you want any of the details, you – you're literally like the one man in the game that like I trust with all of the stuff. You give all the details, do all the videos. And I just, I love all of that whole world. So that's why, yeah, you're one of the best, the best in the business. So appreciate I, everything you do, man. I appreciate that. And then I was, I was curious just to pick your guys' brain too. Like what are the, and this doesn't have to be for the sneaker conspiracy angle of it, but <laughs> who are the, who are the free agents that you guys are kind of most excited to target this summer? And I'm just curious cause I want to kind of, kind of not judge Nico down the road, but I'm just like curious what the fans and what everybody's thinking versus like what ends up happening down the road with, with his first summer here. Yeah. For us, we're in this like spot to where can we get a vet? Like this is what we've been wanting for a while. It's like a vet that's in the rotation. Can we get a, a Kyle Lowry? Can we get a Mike Conley? You know, we just had a pod the other day talking about DeMar DeRozan. It's like, I don't know if DeRozan's like the perfect fit in Dallas, but hey, another guy who can get a bucket to where Luka doesn't have to do everything. Mm. So we're in this like kind of weird offseason this year to where there's not like some of these vets that are going to be free agents. There's none of them that we're like fully out on. It's just there's a few of them that we're not like fully like there's only a couple that we're all in on. Like I would love Kyle Lowry on this team. I just don't know if like if he has the choice of like the Lakers or something like that, like will he pick Dallas? That's where we're hoping Nico comes into play and says, "Hey, <laughs> I have relationships with players." And because you, I mean, you know the history of the Mavericks, we haven't really had a great track record of landing big names. So that's the that's the thing. It's like, can we land another big time name next to next to Luca? And really, what's the future of Porzingis in Dallas too? Is like, is that a long term fit? Yeah, I mean, I had a buddy on the Knicks KP's rookie year and was going to all those games at the garden and like the energy of, of him that first year was incredible. So I'm, I'm still high on KP. I think, you know, whether it's a, like a guy like Jared Allen, who's going to be restricted. Like if you guys yeah. can get some kind of rim protector alongside him and then you have him outside on the perimeter, I think that would be interesting. I'm, it's been interesting hearing you talk about Conley and now Lowry. Cause I, I almost look at Luca as the, as the ball handler and, and, and primary, you know, guy setting up the offense as well. So I, I was, I wasn't even thinking in terms of point guards, but, um, I will say there was a lot of players right away who were both excited for Nico and also saying like, man, maybe that would be a great destination because not only do you guys have cap space, but everybody around the league, you know, really appreciates the way Luca plays and, and his ability to hit big shots down the stretch. And, and I would say that the team is something that, you know, guys are talking about in terms of a target. So I wouldn't be, I know, in the, I know historically it wasn't necessarily like a quote unquote free agent destination, but Anytime your team is showing glimpses of, of a foundational guy and obviously has a has a means to pay, then uh, then maybe that's something all of a sudden that, that works out and people are really looking at. So, you know, I, I gotta I gotta check through all the bird rights dynamics of like 
what you guys, who you could sign with still being able to bring back Tim Hardaway. Cause I, yeah. I consider him a great, a great piece for the team and hopefully you guys keep him. But um, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that, that Nico's going to be able to pull something off here and that they'll be able to, to make a couple of signings that you guys are happy with. Well, you talk about the relationships. That's like the keep, that's the thing of, you know, them hiring Nico, them hiring Jason Kidd. You know, you're probably not hiring Jason Kidd because of his uh, amazing like coaching, you know, record. You know, so it's these you know relationships that these players have with Jason Kidd, have with Nico Harrison. It's like this new, this kind of new regime in Dallas now, to where Cubans really putting a focus on, hey, let's get some guys in here that have relationships across the league. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're excited about as Mavs fans. Like, all right, cool. Like we have some people now that maybe players across the league will want to, because of those relationships, will want to come to Dallas. So it's awesome having this conversation with you, talking about how much Nico is respected across the league, how many players and people love Nico. That's really encouraging, I think, for a lot of Mavs fans who listen to this podcast to hear. Yeah, and I'm not, I mean, I won't say the exact names, but like it's it's something people are talking about already. I mean, right away that weekend, once Nico got hired, I think the team didn't officially announce it until maybe that Monday or Tuesday, but pretty much the Friday before it was kind of known that it was going to be a wrap and a done deal. Um, so that was like the immediate conversation going on. And then as somebody that was like, you know, a childhood favorite player of mine with Jason Kidd, it was interesting seeing like the Nets and Bucks. I, I'm on the same page. Like I didn't necessarily ju- like quantify those as like great coaching jobs necessarily. But then when you talk to people like Giannis really speaks highly of him and everybody around the Bucks. He was incredibly highly recommended by the Lakers. You had guys like Dame who wanted him in Portland. Um, so I think, you know, when you talk to players and people involved in the game, um, they really, you know, think highly of Jay and the work he's done with the Lakers these last couple of years. So um, I think it's going to be a good opportunity for him to maybe flip that narrative a little bit because um, I think there's there's probably, you know, a window where people were down on him just from a coaching standpoint. Um, and I think he's, he's maybe turned that around. So we'll see. So are we going to see you in the front office? At- any point or i don't know man i've i've always uh i've always been intrigued by the agent world because just doing the doing all these deals is so much it's like just intriguing to me just the way it's all structured um i never really wanted to work for a brand because i like to be neutral and i like to just follow you know all the brands that have everything going on and and all the players with every brand but um i, I do think that side of it would be interesting down the road maybe and and um you know it's it's cool to see how You've got agents, you've got sneaker executives and kind of this new new formula a little bit for what's coming into the front offices of these teams. And, um, you know, a lot of those teams that have taken these outside the box hires have had success with it. So we'll see. There he is, Nick DiPaolo, the sneaker game on The Boardroom. You can go actually read one of his articles. We'll post it with the podcast, The Boardroom. Nico Harrison, who is the Nike executive who just became the Mavs GM? He kind of told us, but you can go read the rest of it. Uh, Nick DiPaolo, thanks so much for joining us. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom. Let's check out the travel bag. Oh, man. This is kind of a duffel bag for a whole team, right? Right, yeah. So this bag is made for like a whole team shoes on the road, but this is actually just for me. How many pairs of shoes do you wear a game usually? I've worn, I think, up to six pair in one game before, <laughs> which wasn't by design. I don't know why people think I like try to like show off a bunch of shoes. It's really just superstition a lot of times. If a shoe's not feeling good or, you know, some of these older shoes that I wear sometimes they break, you know, it just depends. 